Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hey, it's Steve Sparky, 5 or 1250 AM, The Fan in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin with the Spare Time Bowling Show. Don't forget, you can download this on your Odyssey app or anywhere you download your favorite podcast. And along with our guy, Phil Brylo, follow him on Twitter at Bruce City Bowling. Dwight Albright, owner of the Spare Time Pro Shop. That's where we came up with the name. Uh, over a decade or so ago. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Dewey300. Special guest this week, USBC Hall of Famer uh, Jeff Riggles joins us, owner of 11thframe.com that I'm sure most of you are subscribers to already. <laughs> Jeff, thanks for coming on, man. How are you? Always a pleasure, Sparky. Okay, so uh, we have so many things to get to. Uh, Phil and Dwight were talking about something uh, before we came on that they wanted to talk to you about. I've got something uh, that I wanted to talk about that you had tweeted out uh, yesterday uh, and get your thoughts on that too. Before we get into all of that, your thoughts kind of on uh, the PBA this season, uh, the, the televised the shows and so forth, and how you think uh, it all kind of played out for you? Well, it was I thought it was a great season for, from a fan's perspective. You had uh, really f- four players kind of at the top separating themselves from everyone with EJ, Simo, Jacob and of course Belmo and uh, boy, I mean those guys going back and forth at it, especially EJ and Simo. Uh, you know what more could you ask for? Now, as much as that was great entertainment for all of us, the one warning signal in there or sort of bad thing is when you look at that money standings. Boy, it's sure top heavy, and you look at you don't have to go down very far, and you're looking at some big names not making a whole lot of money this year, and uh, I guess. The answer to that always is bull better. I was told that many times in my career (laughs) (laughs) and I was nowhere near as good as those guys. But, uh, you know, the the top heaviness there and the uh, I mean, our season's basically over um, and now we got six months before we do it again. So, you know, if there's one room for growth for PBA, it's to add more tournaments and provide a little more to the folks farther down the list. You know, you just mentioned about the tour now being done. It's basically six, seven months of regionals before things uh, really get back up on the national tour. Uh, with, with the regional program, there, there's there's rumors talk going on that it might go back to the old format with uh, you make your way to the tour through the regionals. Uh, what, what's your thought on that? I mean, you've been I mean, you bowled decades of regionals and have so many regional titles. What's your thought about that being, let's say, the qualifying system once again for the PBA tour? Well, with all the controversy there was about the PTQs this year and how hard it was to get out of those with the limited fields, um, you know, I wrote that big story back in February, I think yeah. it was, and uh, 
you know, that is a hot button issue. And if they're going to have fields that limited, if I was one of those PTQ players, like I was once long ago, almost 40 years ago, I would prefer more of a, give me a tour trials, give me spots I can earn through regionals. And if I don't get those, okay, I'll go bowl, you know, the U S open, the masters or whatever I can maybe qualify for and not go out there week after week chasing, you know, five to 10 to 15 spots with 90, hundred guys in a, PTQ a rabbit squad as we call them and I'd rather take my chances on qualifying through regionals in a, in a tour trial so it's uh, what's one of those things we'll be interesting to see what PBA does because Tom mentioned that he might be making there might be some changes next year and heck every year we've had changes with the PBA formats and stuff so it shouldn't be a surprise if things are a little different next year but that's one of those things we're real interested to see what happens. Another hot button topic I think this year for the PBA and you hit it right on the head, was the formats, um, but also that some of the events were uh, carried through a stream versus um, either Big Daddy Fox or on FS1. What was your, did you do a story on that this year with the stream service as social media? A lot of the guys that chimed in on that weren't very happy that they weren't getting their bowling on TV this year. Well, that's not a new thing. There was a uh, classic series last year of events that were on uh on uh, bowl TV, or maybe, you know, in the past, it's been on flow bowling. There was a flow bowling series. So that's, that's not new. That's kind of a, you know, I mean, would you rather not have tournaments that week? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you can argue about. Instead of having a 17 person step ladder, I would have liked to have seen the Marshall Roth or Holman Roth doubles show telecast on TV. Right. Um, I mean, if you have bowl TV, you get to see them all anyway, but if you don't, you know, I, I you know, I, those are things we could argue endlessly about, and there's no perfect answer until we get 30 weeks on Fox or some other broadcast network, and it's like the old tour, if that could ever happen. And if that happens, then, you know, then it'd be great. But until then, we're going to have these sorts of issues to argue over for sure. I'm curious, Jeff Riggles, y- your thoughts on the job Tom Clark has done uh, since he's taking this over. I mean, when he took this over, they weren't on national, I mean, on over-the-air anything. Uh, on Fox uh, World Series of Bowling was a bunch of tape shows in a, you know, uh, it wasn't a conference room. It was a little bit bigger than that, I yeah, guess, with a couple of lanes on, in it yeah. uh, at South Point that I used to go and be a part of uh, to where it is now. Uh, just your thoughts, because as you pointed out, there is seemingly kind of constant change with Tom as far as mm-hmm. tinkering um, and, and trying to adjust things and make things better. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it's constant tinkering. Uh, your thoughts. Well, you know, Tom, if there's anyone in the history of bowling who's undergone more of a uh, image makeover or, you know, how people look at him has changed diametrically. Um, you know, Tom came in when he was taking over when Jeff Reese left. Um, the uh, owners had sort of put the mandate out there, time to break even, because they lost millions over the years trying to build the PBA up. And Tom kind of got blamed for a lot of things that were not his fault. You know, he was his budgets were cut. He had to come up with inventive ways and he did an incredible job. Basically he's responsible for saving the PBA. I think, I think a case can be made for that or at least keeping it going. And then he started building it back up and he got flow bowling and then he got um, the Fox contract, which was, you know, got us to where we're a lot better and bigger now than we were 10 years ago when things were at their bottom And, uh, you know, just so people, I hate this when I hear it, and I know it bugs him a little bit too. Um, Bolero didn't get PBA flow bowling. Bolero didn't get PBA, the Fox contract. Tom Clark got those things. 
And that Fox deal was in effect for a year before Bolero bought the PBA. Collie tried to uh, sort of horn in there and take credit for it. Tom deserves all the credit for that. And, you know, Bolero's put more money into the PBA and a lot of things have, you know, gone up and been, there's been benefits from Bolero owning it. But for the most part, the fact that we still have a PBA and it's as good as it is, Tom's the man most responsible for that. And when you look at uh, the other leaders and organizations in our industry and what a disaster they are for the most part, you know, Tom and the PBA is kind of the shining light of bowling. You know, with Tom Clark, one of the brainchilds he's worked with others that are in in the PBA part of the Bolero equation as well, is a new term that just started this weekend at Bolero Wauwatosa with the LBC National Championships. Uh, I know you haven't uh, had a lot of time to look at what's going on with it with, with opening weekend, but uh, what were your thoughts when the tournament came, you know, when the format of the tournament came out? And is it actually, you know, do you perceive it as a direct competitor to the USBC National Tournament or is it just like a standalone event, do you think? Well, I, I don't see it as, I see it kind of as its own event. Um, you're net, you can't replace 110 plus years of tradition and history and everything that the Open Championships stands for. Even uh, the current folks running it can't really destroy that. They can't take away from that no matter what they do. Don't sell it. them short, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they can anyway. Um, you know, but I, I think people should not, try and compare the LBC to the USBC Open Championships. Let the LBC develop its own identity and enjoy it for what it is. It's not a sport pattern. It's not team singles and doubles. It's kind of its own thing. And and I liked that there were a lot of kind of big names or known names, I guess I should say, bowling in that first weekend. And I hope it just has a good start and that they can build on what they get in this first year and grow it from there. And the fact that I think the thing that will really help it is once we get some players, uh, regular players, bowling on TV at Bayside, people get to see that maybe next year they'll be like, God, I got to take a shot at that. I don't think many people quite have grasped what's out there, the end of the rainbow, so to speak. To me, that would be enough if I wasn't 60 years old and broken down that I might want to go and try for that for the chance to get to there because, boy, Bayside, there's nothing better than that, as you guys know. And it, I think so. I think the LBC, they should just take it for what it's what it is and credit to the PBA for whatever happened this weekend. Um, I know there was a little problem with the lanes. They caught it before any bowling happened and fixed it. Now, because that happened and that's a rather uh, – that's the dog bites man instead of man bites dog, which is what the USBC has been. Um, I don't write about dog bites man. They caught it. They fixed it before bowling started. Not really a story, but credit to them for doing that. Yeah, and a leader came off that squad that they had that they saw an issue. They walked the lanes. They saw an issue, redid everything, and uh, kudos to the to the staff there, no doubt. And I got to hold on to the Duke Trophy. The Duke Trophy may weigh more than Norm Duke himself. It is, <laughs> it is heavy, man. It is, it is an effort to lift that thing. That's not saying that much. <laughs> well, I was, op- I was there for opening ceremonies also, and uh, our own Van McNeil did the Master of Ceremonies. He did a great job. Um, as soon as I walk in the door, uh, Tom Clark sees me and says hello, and then he has to show me around, and how they converted Bolero over is quite impressive. That was the word that I, I kept thinking in my mind the whole weekend. Um, how it looks in there. They took the old main bar and turned it into like a tournament office with everything being electronic. Uh, they put up some black uh, curtains and kind of uh, 
uh, cut it off from the rest of the bar. Yeah. On the other side, uh, the Peterson was going. So he was uh, quick to inform me that here, look at the uh, Bolero. Now it is uh, running two major tournaments at cool. one time with Peterson on the short side and then LBC on the lawn side. Super, super impressive. Another thing that they, if you weren't there for the opening ceremonies, Jeff, they uh, took a huge picture of Dick Weber and they, it's almost a poster size picture and put them uh, on lane 25 and then Norm Duke on lane 72. Again, this is all part of Tom Clark's vision, how he made that center look uh, like a PBA experience for um, guys that aren't, aren't on the tour. Cool. Well, you know, that's the kind of thing people, word of mouth is your best marketing. And the people who are there and experience it or see it on Phil's live stream, once those things come out there and people see them, then maybe next year you have, you know, I, I don't know what their entries are, but say they're a thousand this year. Next Close, year, maybe yeah. they're 2000. And you know, that's how you do something. You over or under promise and over deliver is the way I, way that all tournaments should operate. And it sounds like maybe they're doing that. I wish I could have got down there this weekend. I wish I could have got to the state hall of fame inductions Saturday night. Uh, we've got a little personal stuff going on with our Florida house and uh, I'm all by myself taking care of the dog in the house here while Susie's in Florida. So I, I kind of am trapped for a couple of weeks here. <laughs> nice. Uh, okay. So we've praised Tom and you said save the PBA and all of that. And I don't disagree with anything you've necessarily said. Having said that, Tom Clark came to you, Jeff Riggles of 11thframe.com and said, all right, Jeff, what's one or two things that you think still needs to kind of be addressed or worked on here going forward uh, with the PBA tour? What would that be? Well, like I said, I, I would if they're going to have the limited fields like it used to be in the early 2000s, I would go back to either and or a tour trials and or a um regional spots where you bowl the regionals and the top people in each region get out on tour and get get the spots and maybe dispense with the ptqs altogether and just tell people look if you want to bowl on tour we're going to have spots for you other than the open event you know the handful of open events and then the other thing would be great if he could find a way and i don't know i know the fox we're assuming that there's going to be a new fox contract i got to pester him about that Right now, there's no TV contract for next year. But there's last a time we talked to him, he said they were talking. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything since then to say that that thing was done one way or the other. And I'm assuming when it's done, there will be something sent out immediately. Yeah. So I have no expectation that that won't happen. Well, that's good. So Sorry, I have no expectation that, it's gonna that won't happen. Yeah. But um, you know, I'm curious to hear the details, and it would be cool if they could find a way to get. Um, you know, get more tournaments out there too, more opportunities for the guys. It's, I know I hear privately a lot of them say, man, I, there's nothing to bowl for six months except regionals and a couple of events. Well, speaking of a couple of events, you've run a big event every August for the last few years with the 11th frame.com open. Uh, that's scheduled again. What's the dates? What's the payoff? And uh, they can probably see a few PBA regional, if not tour stars out at that event as well. Yeah, we've always had them. We're uh, at uh, Cherry Lanes inside the Diamond Joe Casino in Dubuque. I'm looking at my calendar. It is August 19th and 20th. Uh, actually, the Friday the 18th is the sweeper, and then the tournament's the 19th and 20th. A lot of big tournaments going on that weekend. Again, uh, New Mexico Open, one of the big regionals, uh, a New England Bowlers Association big event. So, But we'll have a full field for sure. We're actually thinking of ways to expand the field somehow because we turned people away last year with 100 and you know, over 150 guys competing and, you know, it pays out about three grand. It's a fun format over the two days, challenging lane condition that 
that Greater Iowa puts out there, and uh, it'll be it'll be a great tournament for sure. Switching gears, uh, getting your take on what's going on right now with USBC and the PWBA. Uh, is this even a story with land conditions, Jeff? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Oh, hell yeah, it's a story. <laughs> it's a disaster. I mean, it's a fiasco beyond belief. Um, you know, we could go on for a long time here, but the basics are is that uh, two lanes were screwed up at the Queens in the first round, and one lane was screwed up in Grand Rapids in the first round of the first of the three tournaments. Jeff, can you and, expand for on what you mean by screwed up? <laughs> um, well, as it turns out, the machine had an electrical problem. Kegel made their first statement yesterday, which was almost two weeks since the Queens. Timely. Um, they did their investigation, and there was some sort of electrical thing that was causing the uh, in, basically intermittent oiling, not to put down the full pattern. So there were two lanes at the Queens, and uh, there's lots of video out there if you search for it. It's on my, it's in my stories. It's all been all over social media. A left-hander rolled a shot down. Uh, as they move pairs and the ball hooked all the way across and took off the 10 pin. Mm-hmm. And there were shots where really good players took like three off the left, right handers. Liz Johnson missed the head pin to the left, almost missed the two pin, probably the most accurate woman bowler in history. Liz is. And uh, Gigi Mason in a famous one, hooking a plastic ball from fifth arrow. At the Queens. <laughs> and um, this is on a pattern put down properly was, high volume, 28 mils, and 45 feet. The other players were all, if you saw the Queens TV show, they were using sanded balls up first arrow and could barely get them to hook. So there was something clearly wrong. And the really unfortunate thing is that instead of saying, oh, my God, we got a problem, we're going to figure it out and we're going to take care of it, USBC lied. There's no other way to put it. They lied. They said there was no problem. I broke it all down. And then finally, and then it happened again in Grand Rapids, on one lane. And at the end of that day, they actually admitted there was a problem, but they didn't then admit that there was a problem at the Queens, even though it was basically the same thing. You saw balls hooking like crazy back and forth across the lane. And then they added about $60,000 to two of the prize funds of the three tournaments there to try to compensate for that, which all credit to them for that. But they still never said anything about the Queens. They find players uh, for, for what they said about it. Um, and they find they, players. Oh yes. Oh yes. I yeah, know you got fined after she yeah, showed I know video. Two players who are, who are fined. Um, what? And they, so finally yesterday afternoon, Kegel, which is the contract oiling, hmm. do, does the oiling under contract with, with PWBA, USBC, BPA. Um, they came out their CEO made a statement on, on Facebook, on their Facebook page, about the electrical problem. First time they've said anything. I I have sent multiple messages to Chris Chartrand, the CEO of Kegel. He's always returned my messages, whatever they happen to be about. He didn't even say, didn't even respond to say no comment. He just ignored them, which I know why he probably ignored those. He was being told to by somebody. And um, But then he posted that yesterday. And, I, and at the same time, the USBC was sending out a letter to the Queens competitors saying they were going to pay $500, which is the entry fee, back to every player who hit those two pairs the first day at the Queens that had the bad lanes. They were going to pay them each $500, which is the entry fee back. 
and they were going to pay back the fine money to the people they find. No, they have not said they have not done. And this was in my stories, too. They have not done a couple of things that they should do. Number one, they have not rescinded the fines. Number two, they have not apologized (laughs) for lying about what happened, Mm -hmm. saying there was no problem and saying that the, the tape showed that they were within tolerance. When I have three lane men breaking it down in my story that they were not within tolerance, which was is a direct direct falsehood. I mean, it just is. I there's no way to to sugarcoat that. It's lies that's come from them. Finally, because Kegel came forward and explained what happened, USBC finally had no choice but to but to partially come clean. They haven't totally come clean, and uh, it's it's a fiasco beyond all belief. What little credibility Chad Murphy had left is 100% gone. I will never believe. No, no one should ever believe a word that comes out of his mouth ever again. Well, how many people did anyhow? But well, uh, from the PBA standpoint, though, I don't think that ever happens with Tom Clark as commissioner. I don't think you ever have any of this. Well, if there was a mistake, he, I mean, he would own up to it and do right. what he could to fix it. The PBA did that in 2009. I was there when it happened at the tour trials. About half the lanes were oiled with the cheetah pattern, and half the lanes were oiled with the chameleon pattern. The chameleon, it was supposed to be all cheetah. It was a fiasco. I was there covering it, watching it as it happened. And the PBA did a complete investigation afterward. They mitigated it in the only, basically one of the only ways they could. They were completely transparent about it. Um, They owned up to it immediately. It was handled as well as it could possibly be handled. It was 100% the opposite of how USBC handled this. You know, Jeff, it's funny on social media since this happened, I've seen a few people say, hey, you know, if you don't like it, certify with the the PBA League Bowler Certification Program. How do you think it's going to be in a year? So let's say leagues just do that, like Charlie Murphy, uh, like Charlie Mitchell at Bayside, all those leagues just certify with PBA, LBC, and that's it. Till tournament organizations or let's say if they it's a handicapped tournament that certain tournament organizations will accept a PBA LBC average and they'll not just only accept a USBC average. Do you think that's something that's going to be easily overcome? Well, the problem with that is what if you want to bowl on the, if you're a woman and want to bowl on the PWBA tour, USBC and BPA own it. What yeah. if you want to bowl in the USBC open championships because you want to be part of a hundred and some years of tradition and the way to get into the USBC hall of fame, which is a USBC thing like yeah. I'm in. And you know, you want to be on Team USA? USA wait, 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 wait! Stop, stop, stop! Hold on, stop! <laughs> Time out. I didn't know what you just said, and I can't move on until I understand more of this. The USBC owns the women's tour. Yes, USBC. Okay, well then, BPAA. why don't the women just go to Tom Clark and be like, "Can you start a women's tour for us and help us out and tell them to go to hell and go just have Tom help start another tour?" Listen. It's not like this women's tour is some gigantic moneymaker at this point anyhow. I mean, if anything, you can argue they've screwed that up too. I mean, there's hardly anything on TV at this point, hardly any talk about the women's tour at all. Now, I'm not saying that Bolero and Tom Clark would be like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll take on something else. They may say, nope, sorry, we, we got our hands full enough of the men's tour. But I, I don't I don't see why they have to stay with the USBC at this point. That To me, that doesn't make much sense. Well, the problem is, is that USBC and BPA subsidize the PWBA tour to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. It doesn't make money. It's a big money loser. And why are they doing it? Because they, (laughs) you'd have to ask them why they're doing it. They've said various things, but um, you know, it's, it's a, 
it's sort of a, they've said it's an, they want something aspirational for young female bowlers. Okay, good. I have another follow-up question, Jeff Riggles. <laughs> I have a challenging question for you. What has Chad Murphy done correctly since he's been in charge of the USBC? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> uh, he handled COVID very well. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, he's handled, uh, straight, the string pin setters thing. I think he's definitely maneuvered his way through that and Hate done it. the right things there. Hate um, <laughs> he's handled a lot of the stuff with topography, a little bit of a misstep first, but got to the right solution eventually with tiered topography. Um, but he's also grossly mishandled so many things. He's been on probation with the Olympic committee He's failed to govern bowling balls drastically and massively to the point where PBA had to have their own rules. Yep. He's messed up the open championships. He's overseen the further decline of membership. And now we, you know, he's destroyed the credibility of the organization to the point that absent wholesale changes, USBC's name is just, and, and it breaks my heart because I'm the biggest USBC guy and ABC guy ever. I'm in the Hall of Fame. You know, you my career is built on all of that. And to see this this organization dragged into the depths by him is just heartbreaking. So with Sparky talking about PWBA and going back in the past, they tried starting a new PBA 50 tour back in the day with the Generations Tour. How is it near impossible for somebody that wanted to, let's say, take that on that's not a corporate giant like Bolero to well, actually – establish I mean, a women's tour I, I just you know the only way that bowling succeeds and makes any money is a tv contract that and sponsors because they just can't get enough people in a bowling center to generate enough revenue but, time out okay what we're learning right now in today's world is it's not about tv i mean we're on a path right now where it's going to be mark my words you can write this down the next 10 years within 10 years i bet you you are no longer going to have NFL games sure. uh, on TV. You're going to have to pay to watch the Packers on a streaming platform of some sort. That's where we're headed. So really, you don't even have to cut a deal necessarily for over-the-air TV. You can now cut a streaming deal. I mean, the look problem. at uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines from Fixer Upper. They created a whole damn TV network yeah. called the Magnolia Network. Right. And right. put it onto a, a thing. Now they've got two. They're on Max, that new platform that just came out, which was HBO Max. Plus, they're on Discovery Plus. And that was their own deal made up of different things. So you don't even really have to do that. You just got to cut a streaming deal. I would think, could be wrong, I would think cutting a streaming deal might actually be easier for them to do than trying to go get over-the-air TV at this point, Jeff. The, pro the problem is, is that bowlers are cheap, and they won't pay. True. Extra Frame was a really good product. Tom once told me in one of my uh, Q&As with him, if we could get 100,000 subscribers to Extra Frame, that would have been like six, $6.5 We could do great things for PBA bowlers and the tour. They, the best they ever got with 10, was 10,000. Flow Bowling lost their butts. Now, the pandemic played into part of that, but they were losing their butts with or without the pandemic, and they were going to give up and leave because you can't make enough money on it. And Bowl TV, all bowlers do, other than the few thousand that will pay, is complain when they have to pay to watch bowling. You are never, in my mind, ever going to be able to offer a product that enough bowlers will actually pay for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. I'm not saying to have their own damn app. 
I'm saying to get in on Paramount or to be a part of Max or to be a part of Discovery Plus, to be a part of the product that already exists, that people are already paying money for. They pay you X and then part of X is they show 10 tournaments a year on Paramount. Like soccer has to deal with like 5 million different things. Oh, you want the Spanish version? Go to this app. You want the English version? Go to this app. And they're all over the place. That's what I'm saying. No, a standalone would die. I totally 1000% agree with you. I think, and the PBA can do the same thing, where you have a live streaming uh, option for people, because there are cord cutters everywhere. This over-the-air Fox thing is wonderful. It is. I love it. But how many people don't even have over-the-air TV anymore and don't even watch it? So streaming now is becoming that next thing. So if I'm Tom, yes, I want the deal with Fox, but part of my deal with Fox is I want to be able to go get a streaming service as well to be able to show my games as well on the streaming service uh, at some point too. That, to me, that's that's where they've got to get to, whether that's well, Chad Murphy or whoever. I, I thought that too. I thought, oh, Flo Bowling, here's, here's kind of your answer, and that's the future. And I don't know why. Bowl TV is a fabulous product for the most part as far as if you just want to watch bowling. Now, you can quibble about announcers and all that stuff. They don't have the money to bring in, you know, the best guys. But – it's a you get to watch all of the competition, PBA, PWBA, Team USA, all this stuff, and yet they don't even have ten thousand subscribers, is my understanding. It's like I just all those things are great, and Tom would be the person to give you the better answers. I'm sure he's explored that stuff. He's no dummy. He's a smart right. guy. And how, how much of this Jeff is demographic? I mean, yeah. when you look at uh, the viewer, how much us, are us old farts? Right, we're all exactly. Old fans I mean, are all twice Sparky's age. Right, Sparky's talking, talking about, about over the 47. air. Okay, well, like a you're younger than the average demographic of the fans that watch bowling. Exactly, on TV. that's crazy. I mean, there's people. I mean, I know elderly people that don't have even cable, so all they have left is over the air. So if they're going to watch the PBA, it's going to be when it's on Big Daddy Fox. Yeah, but one of the neat things I always see when Jeff talks about the TV shows and that is he always gets the ratings and he always puts in that 18 to 49 demographic because that's what the advertisers so are looking for right but the 18 to 49 demographic are streaming now right like dwight right. said yeah. you all are going to die off and that's not even going to be a thing anymore right but the streaming is where it's going to be going forward listen i i have a radio station right you can see the little banner in the background 12:50 a.m the fan do you know what's happening right now Ford said, we're not putting them in our cars anymore. We're done. Right. So now yeah, there's but... campaigns all over the country trying yeah. to save AM radio before this goes away. Right. And over the air of the TV, I hate to break it to y'all, but y'all are headed down the same path as AM radio right. at this point. And that's why the Fox deal is great. It was a game changer for the PBA a thousand times over. No disagreement. But the next step, if we're being honest, is you have huge, well, Maybe not huge numbers, but you have good enough numbers to sell to a streaming service to get you on one of these streaming services now to take that next step. For those that aren't doing what you're doing, Dwight, for those uh, that are only watching it on their phones and that's how they watch everything or streaming it to their TV set from their phones or whatever, that's that's the next step. You're, you're going through all the questions I'm going to I plan to ask Tom in our next Q&A as it gets closer to the don't, next season. Don't yell as much future. as I do when you ask him, though. <laughs> yeah, don't yell as much, Jeff, when you but, talk to him like I do. You know, what was, what was funny was back in back in 2018 when Flo was courting the PBA, they were at a stop we were at at Bayside Bowl when I was at Extra Frame. And one of the hot shots from Flo Sports looked at Tom and looked him right in the eye and said, in four years, you won't need Fox Sports. And that 
surely didn't happen. I don't think it would have happened even with the pandemic because of the demographics of bowling. How do you, you know, that's the big thing is how do you turn on the more of these 18 to 49 year old, you know, 18 to 26 year olds right there, on right. how cool it is. Like Belmo says, make them fly. How fun is right. that to watch? Explain everything. That's right. You know, getting them into that. That's going to be the, that's the street. Like you said, Sparky, that's the streaming end of things, man. Let this Anthony is- be Anthony. That's the kind of stuff we need. <laughs> let him yeah. fry. Let him, you know, whatever. That's <laughs> players who are interesting. You can I ask you a question. I don't know if this exists or not. Okay. So in our world, we have this guy named Jason Barrett, right? And Jason Barrett used to be a, a program director for the sports talk stations and stuff on in San Francisco, whatever. Uh, then well, was out and decided, you know, I'm going to be a consultant, right? Kind of has the ball look like Jeff Riggles does whole deal. And so he, he that's what he's going to do. He came in here. He talked to us years ago and all this. Then he started his own website. Um, and on the website, he's created, he's got a staff of writers now of people that aren't in the industry anymore, but used to be, he pays them. He's got editors of the website. He's got all this stuff going on. Then he decided, you know what? To hell with it. I'm going to have this big old thing every year. We're going to give out awards. We're going to bring in guest speakers. People are going to spend like $250 on a ticket to come be a part of this thing and see Colin Cowherd talk this year, Jim Rome talk this year, all these big names and not just TV guys, but radio program directors, radio hosts, gambling people, all of this. And every year he puts it on and it's become this whole big thing that everybody looks forward to. Okay. Plus he goes through and he ranks all the shows every year, small market, large market, all that. Is there such a thing in the bowling industry where it's kind of like a bowling symposium type deal in one place where bowling operators are invited, bowlers are invited, the whole deal, and everybody comes together. And you get Charlie from Bowling Heaven to be up on stage with Rob Stone or whoever the, the mic guy is going to be uh, at this event and do a Q&A and let these operators hear about what this dude is doing and being able to show some film of some of his leagues and so forth and bring a bowling operators in from different places. Let Tom Clark sit up there and talk about what the PBA uh, does right. Let Chad Murphy sit up there and get booed, but at least he's there, right? He's there and he's owning up to the music of whatever right. somebody's got to say. And he's doing Q&A about why they do certain things yeah. and let some of the PBA bowlers get up there and do that. Have PBA bowlers doing autograph signs at this thing if you buy a ticket uh, you have a chance to get Belmonte's autograph or whatever else a big old bowling symposium I don't know who runs it I'm guessing it would probably have to be the PBA maybe Chad Murphy can put it together but somebody put this thing together because then what that allows is these bowling operators that want to learn that want to get better that are trying to figure out how do I make this work to everybody kind of get on the same page of how we're going to do stuff across the country we just had I don't know if you heard last week's uh, spare time bowling podcast we had Dan Nanon, who owns now three uh, different facilities here in the Milwaukee area. And he talks about how each one is different. And Phil, you asked about Bolero actually kind of helping out the... Yeah, the, Bolero's the proprietor's best friend. Correct. what some proprietors are right. saying. Right, based on what they charge and how they do things, which allows these smaller operators to do things maybe a little bit more, more or less expensive and do things on their own to kind of separate themselves from Bolero. That, to me... If you get more of those guys out there to talk about what they feel is important and how they're being successful, I think that's a big deal because as we brought with Dan Nett, uh, at least in this area, and I don't know about Madison where you are, 
but a lot of these guys are older guys that own these bowling f- facilities. They're going to be retiring and selling. And who knows if there's going to be buyers to these facilities? How many of these are still going to be running in 20 years? Uh, if there's aren't more, aren't more guys like Dan Nat out there buying these, these facilities up. I, I just think that whole bowling symposium thing could be a huge deal year to year that people would look forward to. And, you know, you move the locations one year. Maybe it's in Vegas at a casino. The next year, maybe it's in Florida or in Texas or Isn't that wherever it, it may be. Isn't that about what Bull Expo is, Phil? Yeah, kind of. Kind of, yeah. but they don't really get into the the stuff with the proprietors like Charlie on stage. Yeah. I mean, they always have keynote speakers. They bring in like Andy Reid. They brought in a couple of years Aaron ago. Aaron Rodgers was one year. Aaron yeah. Rodgers was one year. Aaron so they, Rodgers. So they bring that in and they have some. The quarterback? George yeah. Bush was one year. What the hell was he doing about one year? <laughs> Peyton Manning was one year. Why? One year. Yeah. Why? They're not bowlers. You're just trying to sell tickets at that point. That's yep. all that is. Yeah. But they they oh, also have Green and Jason Belmonte. Right. But they have the trade show where people get around. But it's not. Yeah, it's golf open has to, a trade show, right, too. Right. But it's open to just proprietors. And that's it. This Bowl Expo. No, no, no. It's got to be everybody. Yeah. There's no fan experience at Bowl Expo. There's really. Is there a fan experience anywhere yeah. with bowling? Hate to say it. But I mean, that's another thing you could do. You could have a fan roundtable at this thing. Yeah. Right. And like day two or day three or however long it may be, your fan roundtable. If you show up and you want to get on stage and talk about your experience with bowling and what you think needs to be done or whatever else, have three or four fans get up there and have questions all ready to go that they know that are that are coming. Can't surprise them that they know are coming. They can have their answers ready and let them get up there. Let the proprietors hear people that are in bowling alleys that are normal people talk about what they think the facility, what everybody needs to do, whether they be, you know, have the demographics covered, right? You have the younger bowlers, the the middle-aged bowlers, the older bowlers, and get the different perspectives and let all these people hear the different angles of it kind of going forward. I don't know. Maybe I'm nuts. (laughs) I like that idea. There you go. Charlie Mitchell, here you go. Start on the Mez. Right. (laughs) At Bayside, year one. I I think that one of the reasons why I don't think you see streaming work, uh, getting back to the streaming aspect of it is um, unless it looks like a Fox telecast, it's a little bit painful to watch. No, 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 no. no. Listen, I love you to death. I'm going to come over there and give you a hug. (laughs) Listen to me. When I stream soccer, yeah, it's the graphics that are on TV that I'm watching on my platform. So it's not made up graphics for just the platform. They're the TV graphics package that they use on Fox. Right. So here's Fox going. And my alternative is to watch it on this stream. If I don't have Fox, right. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So the graphics package is going to look exactly alike. It's not going to be you or me trying to make up a graphics package. It, It has to improve what it currently is. Then I think you could see people buying into it a little bit more. It's just so bare bones when you watch the current bowl TV or that's bowl TV. Don't yeah. don't compare that to this. That's not yeah. what this is. Because now you're I, talking I think, about right. them. They do that themselves, right? Am I wrong, Jeff? I mean, they do this. That's not Fox making their graphics package no. for them or somebody. Right. They do their own graphics package, right? Right. 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 Yeah. No. That, yeah. We don't. We're not having though. With all due respect, yeah. they're amateurs compared to what right. we're talking about at the network level. Right. So right. it's going to be way more high end than that. Right. My point, though, was if you can give the viewer at home that high quality level, I think you could see those numbers get to what Jeff was talking about around 100,000. Until then, I think you're going to end up seeing that uh, Fox uh, contract or FS1 is going to be our only way of seeing a high end TV coverage. We'll see if we're right. I think (laughs) he's going to get a streaming deal. 
and he'll have Fox. He's going to have both. Right. And part of this TV deal is I can get a streaming yeah, it service. Like he's getting it ready. Right. I can get a streaming service. That has to be part of the deal. He can't allow them to lock him in to only being able to be on TV and not have a separate media rights deal yeah. because that's a whole nother stream of revenue. Even if he doesn't get a ton of money, that's still more money than he had before. But the the, the exchanges now I might be able to get some of those younger bowlers that yeah. have these apps to actually stumble upon and fall into it uh, and watch Kyle Troop on, on the app or Jason Belmonte or whoever. I don't know. Well, we're out of time. We got to go. But I'm sorry to, to ramble, Jeff Riggles. I, I, hey, I mean, you know what you're getting yourself no, into. No, I, I, I am with you. You're, you're like, you're right into my whole part of my line of questioning and my my next Tom, my Tom Clark file for our next Q&A before the next season. So some of that probably might be announced before I get a chance to talk with him. But you're, you're hitting the key topics because we don't have TV. I mean, we have both TV, but we don't have a TV contract. We don't know where things are going to be going. And I'm real curious to sit down with him and or get on the phone with him and say, well, so what are you exploring? What are we going to have? Where's where are we going in the next five years? Yep, so you're, you're, your great minds are thinking alike here. <laughs> Follow Jeff Riggles, great mind on Twitter at Jeff Riggles. He's the USBC Hall of Famer and, of course, owner of 11thframe.com. If you are not a subscriber, go subscribe today. You will not be disappointed. Follow Dwight Albright on Twitter at Dewey 300. Phil Brylow at Brew City Bowling. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Spare time bowling on your Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast. Of course, Odyssey Sports Channel from time to time. We'll throw some videos up there as well. Enjoy the rest of your day, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time. See ya.